Hey, I'm Mary Stewart Adams, and we're going to talk about Equinox, which is happening today, September 22nd, the actual moment of Equinox, when it appears to us that the sun steps below the celestial equator in the northern hemisphere. That happened at 9.01 a.m. in the eastern time zone. But the whole day is Equinox. So it's this point of balance in the cycle of the year that happens twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. So you could take it as a time when it's good to kind of review where we've been, if you haven't been doing that enough already, but also to do it in companionship with the sun and the moon and the planets and the stars. So that's where I want to start because that picture is kind of much more beautiful than what's been going on down here, down below. So maybe you remember that at the very beginning of the year, the big news in the world of astronomy was that the, the star Betelgeuse in the right shoulder of the giant Orion went really dim. And this is not unusual, but it happened so quickly that the astronomy community was like, whoa, we're about to lose a major star. Now, what's really wonderful about equinox time in the fall is that Orion is starting to show up again in the kind of like way after midnight in the morning sky. And there's Betelgeuse finally restored to its natural brightness, really strong, but that was a big deal at the beginning of the year. So the shoulder of the giant kind of slumped. And at the same time, there was a comet that appeared. Now this was just visible in telescopes, but it was called Comet Atlas after the telescope array that discovered it. And Atlas in the ancient Greek world is the giant that holds the pillars of the heavens on his shoulders. So there was a big clue going on at the beginning of the year that this giant comet of the, of the Comet Atlas showed up but that also the shoulder of the giant slumped as though the giant was saying, you know what, human being, you're going to have to carry some of this stuff yourself. So there was big anticipation that Comet Atlas would be a great comet, but it fizzled up at the end of March. But then there was another comet, Swan, that showed up, and then that one fizzled up. But then finally we got Comet Neowise, and hopefully everybody got to see that. That was really brilliant around the time of the summer solstice. All right, so summer solstice was amazing this year because the moon caused what's uh, known as a ring of fire eclipse, but not before it met the planet Venus. So it was though Venus handed off love and beauty to the moon, and then the moon eclipsed the sun. And now here we are, one quarter of a year later at Equinox, looking back at some of these things that occurred. And the moon is a waxing crescent at Equinox. Now it's really important what the moon is doing at Equinox in the fall, because when the sun steps below the celestial equator and we in the northern hemisphere get less daylight, we get more moonlight. So we're going to be hanging out with the moon a lot more than at the other time of year. And so what the moon is doing is it really matters for us. Now the harvest moon is going to be the full moon closest to equinox, which usually happens in September, but 2020 has been an unusual year, even in the stars. Uh, so that moon is actually going to come full on October 1st. So the harvest moon is next week. Um, but what that means is the harvest moon is opposite the sun in the sky. And so it's occurring when the sun is below the celestial equator. So it's like the sun has lost some of its power and the moon now comes to dominate. And so in a year when we have the harvest moon after the moment of equinox, it's quite unusual. Now, that's not the only thing that's going on. Um, we also had the great lineup of planets that happened in January. It was the sun, it was the moon, we had Mercury, we had Saturn, we had Pluto. So in the world of astrology, this was like the big setup for what 2020 was going to be, although who could have predicted what was going to happen. Then those planets moved on, but then Jupiter met, ca caught up with Pluto, and three times this year, Jupiter and Pluto are going to meet. 
So Pluto is named for the god of the underworld. It's about deep transformation. And Jupiter, he's, uh, he's Zeus. He's king of the Olympians. He's all about the future. He's the biggest planet, and it brings generosity and social conscience. So one of the ways you could interpret the meetings between Jupiter and Pluto is that there's this desire for massive social regeneration. It's definitely been going on. So they first met in April. They met again in June. And they're going to meet again in November, but it's going to be November 12th. So after the general election in the United States, but this is kind of a, a big thing to look toward, but also to prepare in a way that doesn't add to any kind of reactionary energy, because there's plenty of that to go around. What we need is the harmony of the cosmos right now. So equinox, it's the right moment to think about that. Equinox means equal night. So it's when day and night are of equal length. And now the sun is going to below the celestial equator. Made a mistake there. One, two, three, four, five. Now the sun is going below the celestial equator. And now we can think about how do we balance the light and the dark within ourselves. So hopefully you've been seeing the moon. The moon is at its crescent phase. It was new on the 18th. And we're still seeing it as a crescent until tomorrow, it's going to start its gibbous phase at first quarter. But when the moon is at its crescent phase, it's like a chalice. And it's like it's open for us to place something into it. So one of the things to think about at Equinox is how do I bring balance to the experiences I've been having throughout the year? And what do I place into that chalice of the moon, which this year is going to then inform the harvest that's coming on October 1st? So it's a really lovely thing to think about at equinox time. What do I need that will bring balance and resolve to the experiences that I've been having throughout the cycle of the year? And if you can't figure that out, if it's not easy to get to an answer about how to do that, then I really recommend fairy tales, which might seem wild, but you know, when Albert Einstein was asked, how do we raise intelligent children? He said, read them fairy tales. And everybody laughed and they said, okay, what else do we do? And he said, more fairy tales. Because what's going on in a fairy tale is this ancient wisdom about how the human being might look, might have this feeling of having made mistake after mistake after mistake. And that then there's this impossible task set before you. And oftentimes the hero is told, you know, you have to move that mountain tomorrow morning or else it's off with your head. And how is that possibly going to happen? You can't just shovel at the base of a mountain and move it out of the way. But in a fairy tale, what occurs is that there's this um, usually some virtue that the hero has exhibited that they don't even know they've done comes to the rescue because these virtues are taken up by the natural world, by the elemental kingdom, and they're magnified. And so what you can do to kind of nourish that sense in yourself is read fairy tales at this time of year. I really like Rumpelstiltskin, uh, Zubinel, uh, excuse me, Zubinel, okay, I'll take a break. I really like Rumpelstiltskin. You can get any of the Brothers Grimm, anything that is uh, coming out of indigenous unabridged tales. And if they're in your own ancestral stream, that's also really good. And what you need to know is the stars are hidden in there. So the ancients believed that each of us comes from a star. Not that we're made of star stuff from a star that went supernova and all of the uh, elements of that star went out into space and after billions of years it coalesces again and then we find life as we know it. Really abbreviated this way of describing what astrophysicists tell us. The ancients actually believed that each one of us comes from a star. And after living a suitable time on the earth, 
when we die, we go back to that star. So it's still there waiting to hear from us about what is it to be a human being on the earth. And it's as though throughout our lives, the stars are hidden in experiences. They're in songs, they're in poetry, they're in architecture. They have inspired some of the greatest achievements in culture throughout human history. The Egyptians built their pyramids and aligned them to the stars. We had the mighty cathedrals that were rising up in the Middle Ages and Stonehenge. And I mean, these were all things that informed culture because human beings understood that we have something to do with the stars and they have something to do with us. So if we look at the sky and where the sun is right now at the time of the fall equinox, it's actually among the stars of the constellation Virgo. Now in the tropical zodiac, we'll say that fall begins when the sun moves into the sign of Libra, which is the balance. But it's among the stars of the constellation Virgo. Now Virgo is connected to Astraea. She's the Greek goddess of justice who stayed with humanity through all of the ages of the ancient world until human beings became so inhumane to one another that she had to flee. So she's up there in the sky as the constellation Virgo kind of laying down on the ecliptic as though she's asleep waiting for humanity to show up with their noble deeds so that she can come back. She's sometimes depicted as justice where she wears a blindfold and she's holding the scales. Those scales are the constellation Libra. Libra has probably one of the best star names in the entire night sky, and that's the star Zubinel Janubi. So Zubinel Janubi is the southern tray of the Libra scales. So I like to think about it that that's the, that's the scale that has all the gold in it. So when you're thinking about how to balance out the year, you know, just say that star name. It's like a magic word. It almost sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Zubinel Janubi and one of the fairy tales that I like that has to do with scales is called Catherine and Her Destiny. You can find this online. It comes from Andrew Lang's collection of fairy tales. And Catherine, you'll see, she's got to wake up her destiny from under the seven cover lids. Seven cover lids, those are the seven stars of the constellation Ursa Major, the Great Bear, where we have the Big Dipper. And then uh, she also comes to the scales, which is Libra. All right, so that's just one hit about all the things you can think about for Equinox. And I'll see you again soon.